page 136. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, imploring him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sins. O Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess to you all my sins and iniquities, with which I have ever offended you, and justly deserved your punishment, now and forever. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them. And I pray you of your boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor sinful being. Upon this, your confession, I, as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God to all of you. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The introit. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee. That thou mayest be feared, O God of Israel. Nevertheless, shall I cry unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. If thou, Lord, should mark us iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared, O God of Israel. Lord be with you. 
Let us pray. O God, our refuge and strength, who are the author of all godliness, be ready, we beseech thee, to hear the devout prayers of thy church and grant that those things which we ask faithfully we may obtain effectually. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. The Old Testament reading for the 22nd Sunday after Trinity is from the second chapter, the seventh chapter of Deuteronomy. Therefore know that the Lord your God, He is God, and the faithful God, who keeps covenants and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. And he repays those who hate him to their face, to destroy them. He will not be slack with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Therefore you shall keep the commandment, the sacrifices, and the judgments which I command you today to observe them. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle reading is from the first chapter of Philippians. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every place of my making of mine making requests for you with all joy, for your fellowship in the gospel of the until from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, just as, it, just, as it is, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how, gre- how greatly I long for you, all with affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that, you, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that, you're, that you may approve this, that you may approve the things that the things that are excellent that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled, with, being filled with the fruit of righteousness, which are all by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. <laughs> Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. The Lord command and blessing, even life forevermore. Hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the Lord, O my soul. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 18th chapter. Glory to you, Lord. 
Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant, therefore, fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will repay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him his debt. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went out and threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that he had done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you, or from his heart, does not forgive his brother his trespasses. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also by us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no ends. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the cross. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come.
sermon text is from Matthew 18, verse 35. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. This is our text. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord says the kingdom of heaven is like. In other words, Jesus is using this parable to explain about life in the Christian church here on earth. And considering that, you, by virtue of your baptism and faith in Christ, are a member of the church, you might want to listen up to see about how things work and, well, how your life is to be lived in the church. In Christ's church, there will come from time to time a settling of accounts. This settling of accounts is God's preaching of the law. The law speaks of what is required and what is forbidden. Everything that you have and are are a trust from God. As creator, he has a claim upon you, your spouse, your children, and all that you have. When your actions are weighed in the balance, the judgment will be that you owe 10,000 talents, which is $10 million. That is, your sinful thoughts, words, and actions are deserving of God's wrath and eternal damnation. God's servant has been shown his sins by the law, and he has come to a knowledge of his sins. What the man can offer is not nearly good enough. The servant in the story is quite clearly in great distress over his trespasses. Now, it is quite interesting that we don't always feel distress over the weight of our sins. Well, that debt is always there. And, well, we never take a break from sinning. But from time to time, we come to realize our true sinful situation. This is what we mean by this settling of accounts. It will cause you to fall upon your knees and plead for patience and mercy. Now, in the church, the king is merciful. The master has pity upon his servants. And in the church, there is forgiveness and a gracious release of death. This comes with the preaching of the gospel of forgiveness in Jesus Christ. When the law troubles our conscience and we fear God's wrath and displeasure, the Lord has the gospel preached to bring us forgiveness. What a wonderful life we have here in God's church. In the church, our God mercifully leads us to see our debt of sin so we can confess it before the end comes. And then he teaches us to confess so that he might proclaim to us the forgiveness of sins. And we are given joy and peace. Now, that's the first part. And the first part of this parable might have been just enough for us, yep, to rejoice, to give thanks for his gracious love and mercy towards us, his servants. You see, this way of his doing things is quite surprising. It's surprising Because God has provided a different way of doing things outside of his church. In the world, God has appointed rulers to execute justice and not to forgive. Governing officials are to protect property and possessions by punishing evildoers and rewarding good behavior. Rulers are to wage war on the ungodly and wicked, those who seek to harm us. They are to maintain law and order for the good of society. Similarly, parents at home must provide a kind of law and order and, well, even punishment for their children in that worldly kingdom they've been given. When children are not disciplined, they will become unruly and unproductive in society. That's the way God sets up worldly, outside the church. You see... A secular ruler who would not punish a robber would be considered wicked. 
that man would not be praised. He would be called unjust. We'd say he is derelict in his duty if he doesn't punish the robber. He should be thrown out of office. Another elected who would do his duty. A policeman who releases murderers because they ask for mercy should be fired. An IRS agent who forgives back taxes rather than collect them should be replaced. In the world, God desires justice. Yet in the church, things are different. The pastor is expected to forgive sins, both great and small. If the pastor would refuse to forgive sins, it would be a disgrace. A pastor who only preached the strict justice of the Ten Commandments and not the forgiveness of sins would be removed. He would be considered wicked and a derelict man. You see, in Christ's church, the one who repents and confesses sins is forgiven. It, it's quite different. And so what our Lord presents to us about the way life is in the church is, is quite surprising. This parable about life in the church, though, in Christ's church, this parable is only half done, just as the sermon is only about half completed. There is a second part of this parable that also explains about the way of life in the Christian church. In the story, the man who was forgiven a great amount by the king now refuses to forgive his servant a mere hundred denarii. Let's, let's call it ten dollars. The two incidents are similar in almost every way. There is a debt which is owed. The law seeks to settle accounts and bring it to mind. There is confession of guilt and great distress. And then it is a shock. A shock when this forgiven sinner is unforgiving and refuses to reconcile with his fellow servant. He mercilessly chokes the man. He demands payment. He shows no mercy and he throws his brother into jail. Now we know from the first part of this parable that there is supposed to be mercy and love shown to the brother. That's the way of Christ's church. There is supposed to be forgiveness in the church. Even this man's fellow servants are upset at the gross lack of compassion in the kingdom of God, the forgiven servant should acted in the same way as the gracious king acted. It's quite easy to understand the parallels for the parable. God has also forgiven us a monstrous load of sin in thought, word, and deed. And then we are asked by God to forgive our brother. Yes, that's it. Forgive your brother for his words and actions. And again and again, the scripture desires us, well, to see God's action in the church as a model for our action. Note, Matthew 18.33, Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? Luke 6.36, Therefore be merciful, just as your father also is merciful. Ephesians 4.32 And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. And finally, in the Lord's Prayer, we pray and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Now Matthew 6 goes on to explain what the second part of that parable means when he says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Forgiven sinners and believers in Jesus are members of Christ, living in the Christian church. We show forth our status as forgiven by forgiving others. We show our great love and thankfulness to our God by forgiving our brother. 
when there is hardness of heart and revenge and hatred, it calls into question whether we truly came to believe in God's forgiveness. For then we definitely are not living in the ways of the church on earth. Now there is one misunderstanding concerning this passage which I must explain. The believer in Jesus lives both in the church and in the world. When we come to believe in Christ, we do not cease to live in this secular world. The believer in Christ may be both a policeman and a Christian. She may be both a mother and a Christian. He may be both a businessman and a Christian. There is dual citizenship. It means that we are required to do what God says in both realms. And we don't play one off against another. So, the Christian businessman engages in trade and contracts. He fulfills his obligations and he holds his customers and suppliers to their contractual agreements. He may even need to seek government intervention to bring justice upon those who steal from him. Or if he does wrong, he will pay whatever penalty is required of him. The businessman will perform in accordance with justice. Nevertheless, as a Christian, he will welcome into the church all who confess their sins and are forgiven. He is forgiven and he will treat others as forgiven children. When a brother sins against him, he will forgive him whatever wrong he has done. Wait, are there limits in this personal forgiveness? No. Peter thought maybe seven times would be more than enough forgiveness. However, the number which Jesus brings back is 70 times 7, which lets us know that there is no limit. Those who confess their sins and desire mercy should be forgiven. That's the way we live in Christ's church. So, am I saying that we are law-oriented in our business, but gospel-oriented in our congregational life, so that never the two shall meet? No, not entirely. Not saying that. First of all, let me say, I don't want to downplay a Christian's keeping of the law of God. That is a good thing. It is definitely a Christian witness for a believer to behave honestly and justly in his business. Not to steal and to keep your word and promise towards others. Yes, that is a witness of your faith in Christ. While the world lies and acts impartially, we ought to hold ourselves to the highest standard of justice. And when we sin and fail to live according to those standards, it is also a witness of our Christianity to confess our sins and seek to right our wrong and to pay our debts. Second, our Lord expects more of us than simply living justly with others. He requires more than just forgiving other Christians while living according to the law with unbelievers. It is quite clear in the scriptures that he requires of us to love and do good to our enemies. Hmm. God's action in dealing with his enemies, God's action, is a model for our action in dealing with our enemies, that is, those who may never come to contrition. Romans 5, 8 through 10 says this, But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than, having now been justified by his blood, shall we be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, how much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. This is the way God treats us. We ought to love our enemies. Furthermore, in Luke chapter 6, 27 to 36, longer section, Jesus says, 
It's not good enough for you to do good to those who, let's say confessing their sins, do good back to you. In other words, we don't just have pity on the repentant, Jesus says. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. From him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies. Do good and lend hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. So last of all, let us listen very carefully to our Lord's command towards us. What does he say? He's not simply concerned with outward actions, but he's also warning us against a hard heart. Jesus says, So my heavenly Father will also do to each of you, so my heavenly Father will also do to you, if each of you, from his heart, does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Of course, we ought to forgive our fellow brother, our repentant brother, but that doesn't mean that we are given free reign to withhold love and forgiveness and mercy from those outside the church of the unrepentant. It's also part of our Christian witness to show love and mercy toward those outside the church, even toward those who are not sorry for their sins. Yes, even those. So when I tell you to show mercy, whether the man has sinned against you or repents or even acknowledges sins, I mean a mercy that is more than just outward, one that is in your heart. It's not so much about the offender's sin as about what is in your heart. You are directed not to seek revenge in order to get back at him. You are not to hold against him what harm he has done against you. Our Lord is concerned with your heart. Just as murder comes from the hate of the heart, adultery comes from the lust of the heart. So the command to be merciful is first and foremost about the hardness of the heart. When your heart is secured in Christ, then you are not hard-hearted. You're not holding a grudge against those who trespass against you. And you are free. You are free to follow your heart in your actions in this world. While at the same time, yes, you must live in your vocation, your secular vocation. And so, if forgiveness would serve your neighbor, then fine, do it. If it would be loving to demand payment of outstanding debts, well, fine, then do that. Each and every one, repentant and unrepentant, must be forgiven in the heart. And if you have trouble, find you're having trouble with your heart due to a previously grievous sin in your own eyes, well, then it is time to read the first part of that parable once again. So when our Lord is teaching us how we are to live with regard to forgiveness, what does he do? Sometimes he looks back and sometimes he takes a look forward. Look back at how you have been forgiven as a motivation for the future or for the present. And then look forward to the final judgment in which you desire forgiveness when our Lord asks you to show mercy and forgive here in the present. Our Lord says, the kingdom of heaven is like. In other words, Jesus is using this parable to explain 
about life, life in the Christian church on earth. And considering that by your baptism and faith, you're a member of Christ's church, well, then we pay attention and listen up to how things work and how we live in Christ's church. Amen. We stand. The peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Create in me. Create in me a In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you are so gracious in both revealing our sins and then graciously showing us your grace by forgiving our great debts. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord O Lord, give your servants an increase in faith so that they will graciously forgive the sins of others and show to them the mercy which they themselves have received. Use the work of all pastors in Christ, including our bishop, James, our pastors, Gary and Michael, so that your people will abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight and produce the fruits of righteousness. We ask that our director, Keeley, our teachers and staff, would be upheld and strengthened in their work on behalf of our learning center. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord Remember our government and all who serve in positions of public trust including our president, our governor, federal and state legislators, county commissioners, our mayor, city officials, and all our judges. Bless them and make them a blessing that they may faithfully and honorably fulfill their callings. Watch over, defend the members of our armed forces, especially Danny, Jason, and Blake, as they stand ever ready to defend our freedom. Bless them as they willingly carry out their orders, even as you grant wisdom to the commanders who lead them. Strengthen their families, that during the long periods of separation they may find support and encouragement from others. O Heavenly Father, our eyes look to you to send help to all who are in need. Give work, we pray, to the unemployed. Give confidence in your love to those who are anxious about tomorrow. Sustain the financial institutions in our land and grant them stability. Give us employers filled with integrity and workers who serve faithfully and honestly. Grant strength and patience to those who bear heavy burdens at work, school, home, and give the peace of your forgiveness to those who live with regrets over past actions. Grant the comfort of your Holy Spirit to all who confess you to be the only God that as they call on your name, they may find rest for their souls. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord 
Bless our shut-ins, Carolyn, Patty, and Tom, our elderly Violet. Provide for the needs of Kevin, Levi, Larry and Deb, Christina, Harold, Jim and Charlotte, Denise, Melanie, and Anita. Provide for Susan and Christina and their unborn children. And be with our students, with Tom, Jonathan, Sarah, Sadie, and Alexis. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord O Lord, Heavenly Father, we here remember the suffering and death of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, for our salvation. Praising his victorious resurrection from the dead, we draw strength from his ascension before you, where he ever stands for us as our own high priest. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. For to you alone we give all glory, honor, and worship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. good right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you holy lord almighty father everlasting god through jesus christ our lord who on this day overcame death and the grave and by his glorious resurrection Open to us the way of everlasting life. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, heaven and earth, we praise and thank you for having had mercy upon those you cre- whom you created, sending your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood, as he bids us do in his own testament. Hear us as we pray in his name and as he has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. No. 
thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And his mercy endures forever. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. We implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same in faith towards you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Amen.